everybody, Rachel here with the Spiritual Exercises. Uh, I'm really excited to bring you my guest today, Amber. I met her at a Bible study, immediately sensed that she is, um, she has position. She has, uh, the Lord um, is working through her and in her life. However, um, before we dig into the discussion today, what she and I talk about is real. it's really important to have a grounding and an understanding of the concept of spiritual gifts, healing, speaking in tongues, all of these things as scripture dictates and tells us, not as, um, I guess, not as the world dictates and tells us. And so I want to make sure that we have a good foundation before I dig into my discussion with Amber. So stick through this. We're going to go through um, some of Paul's discussion around the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to bring up some things that I've seen and experienced. Listen, this is something that I have studied for, it feels like my entire life. You know, through junior high and high school, I went to a charismatic high school. Um, the denomination behind it was charismatic. I got to see so-called manifestations of the Holy Spirit consistently taking place. And I don't want to make any claims as to whether or not those things were real or true. What I am going to say is in the lives of the people that were involved, there oftentimes didn't seem to be um, much of a change or shift, nor in the school or the school environment or the actual spiritual position of the school were there many changes or improvements. And in fact, the school was very, very difficult for a lot of people socially and spiritually. It felt oppressive a lot of the time. And I came out of that high school incredibly unhealthy for a lot of reasons. Um, and many others that I know did as well. And so I always questioned the experiences that I had there, what I saw there, and would open up my Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians, turn to Paul discussing rules and how the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be used in churches. Um, and so I have always had a real passion for properly, rightly dividing scripture regarding this issue, really understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. I am a firm believer the Holy Spirit is still working in all of the ways that we see the Spirit working in the early church. There's no reason that those things go away except accepting for our own spiritual immaturity. Um, and I do want to say, I think that the church has become incredibly spiritually immature. It's one of the reasons I wrote the book that I wrote. If you haven't read it, it's called Jesus Was Not a Modern Day Christian. Um, it is a book both to me and my family, a codification of a lot of things I thought about and, and worked on over the years um, in my own faith. I wanted my kids to have it, but I know that it's helped many people put into words some of the questions, some of the issues that they've had with church doctrine passed down from Catholicism into Protestantism, some of the things we do that we can't find in scripture, some of the things we should be doing that we do find in scripture. All of these things are part of spiritual maturity, and we need to understand, and we'll, we'll hit this point, the Holy Spirit was given for a couple of reasons, right? It wasn't given to make people look like fools in church services. That is not the reason the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit was the, given to convict, to teach, and instruct, and encourage. 
So if you're not being convicted by the Holy Spirit about sin, about where you need to change, if you're not being instructed by the Holy Spirit according to Scripture, when you open up the Word of God to read it, if the Holy Spirit isn't instructing you and isn't a part of that, if you find that you're attending a church where the Bible really isn't opened and it's kind of a social gospel sermon every weekend and the scripture isn't really discussed or dug into. So where's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? We know that the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is given for encouragement, instruction, and conviction. And so we have, um, we have a problem, right? When we see that the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, the ones that people like to focus on so much, don't seem to be happening in a real way in the church. Part of it might be that we lack maturity, and I really want to um, give credit where it's due. I've thought through these ideas my whole life, but I went and I looked. It's been on my spirit to do this interview lately. And I went and I looked, and of course, some of my favorite teachers have teachings on this issue, even recent ones. So The Donkey Speaks is a great teaching to go to. He's going to say a lot of the same things that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, He literally just put out this teaching, and it was I found it after I had interviewed Amber already and had already thought through what I was going to do for this podcast. Um, So God is speaking to a lot of his people about the gifts of the Holy Spirit right now. Why? We got to ask that question. It might be because he wants wants to pour his spirit out on his mature believers. And it might also be that the enemy is widely using um, false versions of gifts of the Holy Spirit to lead people astray and to make people, as as uh, the gentleman on the Donkey Speaks puts it, um, interested in the hocus pocus of the Holy Spirit. Like, what magic can you do for me, Right. Instead of focusing on the real deep work of the Holy Spirit, which is to bring us nearer to Yahweh and to draw us into his family and into into love and relationship with him and service to other people, which is one of our most important callings. Instead, we're focusing on magic. And um, Amber, I want to say before we get into the interview with Amber, Amber doesn't do that. The reason why I wanted to interview Amber is she is a mature believer. And so I'm not at all surprised that she now is passionate about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are for that are above and beyond that God wants to give to his mature believers. But make no doubt, you guys, the enemy is using God's so-called gifts, you know, his version of God's gifts of the Holy Spirit. He is misusing and abusing those verses to go out and to deceive many. And I think many have been deceived. I've even seen it in the most wonderfully doctor, good doctrine-filled churches. People come in and do things that are, in my opinion, false versions of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to put this out there. I've always thought this. The whole, If you look at the fruits of the Spirit, the foundational one is self-control. If you don't have you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, without self-control, you're not going to have any of those other gifts. You're not going to be able to show the fruit of the Spirit without that self-control. When you see so-called people being slain in the spirit or speaking in tongues in crazy, disorganized fashions publicly that don't benefit the congregants, people falling over, people writhing on the ground, this demeans humanity. If you have lost self-control over your being, you have to ask, is that a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible tells us it's not. The Holy Spirit gives you self-control, control over your body. People writhing on the ground, people so out of it, they don't know where they are. Um, 
all of that stuff, that is demeaning to a human being. That's like, you, you might as well go down to 16th Street Mall in Denver and watch somebody shoot up. What are we doing? What are we talking about here? The Holy Spirit does not demean human beings in its work. That's not the Holy Spirit. You see people barking like dogs, manifesting demons. Instead of demons being, you know, just leaving them, they're puking and they're manifesting. They're doing all these things. Where in the Bible do you see this as the standard, as the example for how this works? Are we being deceived? When you see these so-called gifts happening, is it demeaning to those humans? Does it make them look like animals? Does that put them in the beast category instead of the, the divine human? The one where God says, lift up your head and stand. I still give you dignity before me. You must test every single spirit. So it's very tough for me to claim that some of those things that we're seeing are actually the Holy Spirit because they demean humanity. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to say yes or no to anything. Somebody sends me a healing. Somebody sends me something. Hallelujah. I hope that person is healed, right? Hallelujah. I hope that person is now walking with the Lord. But make no mistake, there are witch doctors in Africa that can heal people and that can do all sorts of things. And it's false, right? It's from a false uh, God, but the power is still there. And I, I want to touch on this. The Bible does not say that the enemy doesn't have any power. It doesn't say that. In fact, the enemy seems to have power. You know, when you go to the book of Daniel, you see that the prince of Persia is able to stop the angel of, you know, God's angel, God's messenger. He's able to stop him for a while. He has, he's delayed in getting his message to Daniel because of a spiritual entity that has stopped him. The prince of Persia, right? The enemy has stopped him. We know that in the New Testament, you see some um, young men who try to um, get, get rid of some demons and because they do not come with the authority of Yeshua, they come with no authority. The demons are able to beat these guys to pieces, to beat them up. There is spiritual, these spiritual entities also have power. And so to think that um, the demonic, that the enemy is not involved in trying to trick you into thinking that this particular spiritual leader is filled with the Spirit of God and filled with all this power because of the signs and wonders. Listen, you've got to test the Spirit. A lot of times these leaders are cult, basically cult leaders. They're taking everyone's money. They're out there for the fame. They're out there serving themselves. They're doing these ridiculous shows. They're putting on shows you know, they're not giving the glory to God. They are glorifying themselves. There's oftentimes a lot of scandals that go along with these things historically. Um, if you go watch the Donkey Speaks video on this, you'll even see he shows that um, one of the first churches that ever had slain in the spirit going on in it, one of the people involved later recanted this, said, this is false. This is wrong. This is not of the Lord. And he repents of being of participating in this nonsense. And so um, we need to get to the Bible and see what it actually says. So before I get into what Amber is going to share with you today about the Holy Spirit actually doing miraculous works today through his people, because he does, God's spirit is still working. Amen and hallelujah. 
Let's get into how this is supposed to operate according to Paul. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, that's where you're going to see this. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so listen, he's giving them some clues at their time into how to recognize the difference between demonic pagan entity chaos that was happening a lot, right? That that was chaotic and the spirits of the enemy and demons doing signs and wonders um, were able to lead them astray and lead them into those pagan religions. And he's like, here's a test for you about how these things operate. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Okay, so there's going to be unity around this, which I love. Amber talks about unity. We need unity among believers. We need to get unified around um, what what the Spirit of God is actually doing, what the Bible actually says. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, I know we could get into a huge discussion about tongues. I'm not going to do that today. Okay, but I always want to put out, put this out there. There's a why behind everything that God does. So if the why is unclear when the speaking of tongues is happening, why couldn't it have been in English? Because everyone here speaks English. Um, why wasn't there an interpreter? Nobody really knows if this person said what he says they said. A lot of times the person speaking tongues has no idea what they're saying. And then the, there's no interpreter. It's just gobbledygook spoken in public. And nobody knows what it is. And if you asked three different people from a congregation what was said, three different people would give you three different answers. Okay. Nah. It says this is one spirit. One spirit. Okay. This is not many spirits. This is one spirit given one gift. There are rules about how to do speaking in tugs publicly. Anyways, I'm already on the bunny trail. We're going to talk. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Unity and diversity in the body is the title of this next section in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's read it. Just as a body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form, form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Okay, so he's talking about the body of Christ. We all have different gifts. We're given different gifts. Um, to me, this implies not everybody is going to get up and speak in tongues and not everybody's going to get up and interpret. Not everybody's going to be a prophet. Not, but not everybody's going to be a teacher, all those things. Cause we're each 
different parts of the body. And he's going to talk about, listen, don't be jealous and envious of the, those who have different giftings than you. Each part is so important and essential. And so don't be envious um, of, of those who have the gift of healing or maybe those who have the gift of prophecy. God is going to give you gifts as you mature in him that you are supposed to use that are just as important. I need my hands. I need my feet. I also need my stomach, right? I need my knees. I need my toes, right? I can't walk if my feet aren't properly formed. Um, I can't see if my eyes aren't working. So we need all of the people to mature in Christ so that God can pour his gifts out so that we can be useful to his body at that higher level, right? At the higher levels. We're going to get into that, not the higher levels, at the lower levels, I should say, um, we're going to get into why these things are um, not as important as other gifts that we should be pursuing here in a second in First Corinthians, okay? So anyways, but he talks about don't be jealous of each other's giftings. Don't be jealous of what God gives the other person. God's giving you what he wants you to have. Now, in verse 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And again, the donkey speaks goes into good depth on this. Um, it's so funny reviewing this. This is like all from my junior high, high school studies of just going to see what Paul had to say about all of this, these gifts of the spirit. And um, I, again, I think the donkey speaks, I have to give him credit. He does a very good job putting together what all of this says, but I love first Corinthians 12 ends with now desire the greater gifts. This is really important because we're all chasing after speaking in tongues and healing and all of that stuff. What are the greater gifts? Let's talk about it. He says in chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If you even speak the tongues of angels, if you are speaking every language, including the language of angels, but it's about you, it's about pride. It's not about love, love of God and love of others. What you have to say and what you're doing is nothing. It's nothing. It's just noise. Then he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Oof. When God tells you the two commandments that everything, all the other commandments hang off of, love of God and love of others, and the, the Bible harps on understanding that all, all of the laws that God gave are about those two things, it's because the... If you do not love your knowledge of the word of God, your wisdom, it's still nothing. Remember, the demons know more about God than you do. And the enemy knows more about the Bible than you do. Okay, we are deceived when we think it is knowledge or wisdom that, that makes us, that puts us into relationship with God, good relationship, and puts us in good standing with him. He's not impressed by anybody's knowledge. He's just not. He's excited that you get excited about it. I believe that. If you love God, you get excited about learning about him. That's relational, right? 
There, that's what it is. This whole thing is about love. Even just believing God exists, that's not good enough. The demons believe God exists. Many people believe a God exists, but they're very disinterested in the God of the Bible. They don't want relationship with him. Okay, we have to get get out of the mindset that belief means that you believe that he is in existence and you believe things about him. When the Bible says to believe to be saved, we're talking about trust. We're talking about relationship. We're talking about like, you know that Yeshua is your Lord. You have your life submitted to him. You have acknowledged that you need him. You have What does John the Baptist say to prepare for Jesus? In order to prepare for Jesus to be in your life, the first thing you do is you repent. You've got to be willing to turn. You've got to be willing to turn and turn to him. This is deeper than how a lot of Christianity has given us this really blanket, these words that have become almost meaningless. Believe and be saved. Sit down and think about what that really means. Why then? Why then? If it's just believe and be saved, and it's not about loving God, it's not about relationship with him. Why couldn't God just save everybody the second that they meet each other face to face? Why doesn't God just say everybody's saved when he sets his foot back down on the earth on the Mount of Olives when he comes back in the end. Why isn't everybody immediately saved? They're all going to believe he exists. They're going to see him. Okay? Those who rebel against him believe in his existence. We've got to think about this at a deeper level and stop being at kindergarten level with every single aspect of our understanding of truth and salvation in the Bible. God wants us to love, right? This is what Paul is saying. You can do all of these amazing works. You can do all of this. You can have all the knowledge. And it won't matter if you don't love. Love is love. You must love. Okay? If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Oof. This is just the, this is just so hard to understand. Um, but it's because of the why. The why is so important. The why is so important. If you give everything to the poor so that you can look good on paper, that's not love. We've got to understand God wants your heart. And everything that happens comes out of your heart. If you are pursuing magic and, and incantations, as, a, as your relationship with God, instead of pursuing, what does Paul call these things, the greater gifts, love. We're going to find a couple more here in a second. If you're not pursuing love and service on behalf of your king, you just make a noise. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others does not dishonor others. Okay. It's not self-seeking. It does not, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's not vengeful. It doesn't hold on to grudges. It's not bitter. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, does the right thing. Even when it's hard, love never fails. 
right? But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Here's where the maturity part comes in. Okay. All these other gifts will come and go. Okay. Um, and we, we've seen this, the knowledge piece is, is especially obvious to me that after Christ and, and, you know, a couple hundred years after Yeshua left the earth, we had knowledge of the Lord start to decrease and the wisdom and understanding of scripture globally, you know, with what the Catholic church kind of started teaching and preaching slowly over time, a lot of the truths of scripture became warped and we had years and years and years and decades and decades and decades where people on the planet, number one, didn't have their own Bibles, didn't have access to the internet, couldn't do their own research. A couple of guys in a church held all of the knowledge and all of the scriptures and wisdom and knowledge about the Bible was lost to many. It wasn't completely lost, right? And the Holy Spirit was completely available to help and teach people. But for some reason, that stuff wasn't happening on large scale, in large scale. And it might have been because the maturity, the spiritual maturity was missing from the people, right? The Holy Spirit was no longer being poured out like it was in the Acts church. Because I believe, and I think um, the Donkey Speaks talks about this too, God is not going to give his true pouring out of the Holy Spirit to spiritual babies um, for good reason, I mean, it's powerful. These are powerful gifts. And you can imagine the sort of power and fame and money that spiritually immature people would bring to themselves if the Holy Spirit was poured out on them in this way. We don't have enough spiritual maturity, people who are in alignment with God's ways, people who are actually obeying the Lord, obeying his principles, doing his will. However, it's prophesied that in the end, right, young people will see visions, old people will be dreaming dreams. We will have women and men prophesying. We will have young and old. Um, God's going to pour his spirit out on his people. That knowledge is going to, knowledge is going to grow. People are going to be running to and fro and knowledge will increase. These are the prophecies about the end. I, we see that happening now, right? We see knowledge increasing. We see people coming into more obedience to the Lord, understanding what love looks like and means. And so we may see more pouring out of the Spirit of God, but in conjunction in that, what we're also going to see is the enemy trying to do his false version of that. And so we need to understand the greater gifts are love, faith, and hope. Faith, hope, and love is what we should be pursuing. How do we serve the Lord? How do we serve others? How do we persevere in our faith, even when we're being challenged? How do we keep our hope and our joy? Ooh, church, this one is big. Keeping our hope and our joy in the Lord. Right now, we see so many people, being their faith, faith, hope, and love being wrecked and destroyed by the news and by politicians. They're looking to men. They're looking to Christian nationalism. They're looking to mankind to take things over and to make everything better so that they can feel good about things. No, 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 no. I reject this view 
of the world. Your faith and your hope are not in your political system. They are not in your president. It is not in whoever you've elected as your leader locally. You do not put your faith and your hope and your love in any human being that way. You do not put them before the Lord God Almighty. Your faith, hope, love, your joy should never wane. Never. Why? Because you are putting your faith, your hope, your love in the one who doesn't waver. In an unwavering rock. If you build your life on the rock, all the the wavering of the world and all the things that happen around you will not affect you. You will be unchanged. All right, I wanted to give you guys a little foundation before we get into what I really do believe is truly happening, that God is pouring out his spirit, that the Holy Spirit still does. It heals people. It speaks on behalf of people in prayer. Um, the Holy Spirit works, right? Still speaks to people in dreams. Dreams and dream interpretation, this is real. This is true. This is obvious. The Holy Spirit can use these things in your life. However, um, I spoke to somebody who I believe is spiritually mature, not someone who is seeking um, fame or money or putting on a show or inviting people to some crazy, you know, insane um, show like we've seen come out of a lot of churches lately. We're You're going to hear a discussion from someone who has a mature view of how the Holy Spirit is operating and that God does still speak to you in these ways. God is still speaking in these ways. We just have been so trained to either see it um, for the show and, and people who are pursuing magic. Um, and because of that, we a lot of people have rejected the work of the Holy Spirit because of the fear of it being a false spirit. I get it. So how do we get this right? We go to the word of God. We go to mature believers. What I love, Amber is going to share with you. She's going to share about accountability. She's going to share about other mature believers coming around and having um, people to bounce things off of so that you can test and approve the spirit um, and having, uh, you know, being able to be in agreement and unity. And, and you know, that's something I'm also very passionate about in the church the only way to bring unity is to reject the false doctrines, to reject the falsehoods that we've all divided over, and to get back to what God actually says and what he's actually doing. So please enjoy this interview with Amber Alcozer. I think you're going to find it fascinating. If you have questions about this, feel free to reach out. I have many other teachers I can point you to besides The Donkey Speaks, which you can find on YouTube. There are so many great teachings out there and teachers out there who are going to give you that balanced understanding of what the Holy Spirit's, um, what these gifts of the Holy Spirit really mean, what they are. Um, it is not false prophecy. It's not telling you, you know, the day and the time that Yeshua is going to return. That's not really... Um, that's not the work we're talking about. We're talking about um, rightly dividing scripture, rightly applying prophecy, rightly applying what God is personally telling you and your family to do, telling your church to do, all of those things. Um, and so there are people out there who can give you great teachings regarding this and kind of help guide you. And if you're someone who's been caught up in some of these movements or some of these giant churches that tend to put out a lot of worship music, by the way, um, who are doing these crazy behaviors um, 
things that make humans look degraded, like things that make them look like animals, things that make them look out of control. And you have questions about that. Um, first, I would say get into the Word of God, pray, um, talk to the Holy Spirit about this, talk to the Lord about this, but reach out. We can have good conversation around this and still love on each other. And we can even differ on these things and still love each other well. All right, here we go. I hope you enjoy my interview with Amber. Well, hello, hello. My name's Rachel Amaday. If you're here, you probably know that you are on the spiritual exercises. I am so excited about my guest today. Uh, guys, we've been trying to set up this interview, like many of my interviews for a long time, just pursuing people and try to, trying to get these really fascinating folks to you um, because they have such a blessing, a blessed word for you. And um, I know just the couple of conversations I've had with her have blessed me and have uh, given me just a new filter on certain issues that we're going to get to talk about today that are heavily debated. And I know that she has a good word on these issues. Um, but I am introducing today Amber Alcozer. She is the president of the golden chapter of the Messianic Lighthouse Um with a glow ministries. Um, she's also their regional preparation coordinator. When you guys hear her description of a glow, you're going to understand why I brought her on and why we are discussing what we are discussing today. Amber, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you're here. Um, tell us a little bit about a glow before we dig into our uh, discussion today. Good morning, Rachel, and good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, so Aglow International is um, what I minister into locally, and Aglow has a couple of mandates in their, um, I wouldn't say constitution, but in their about us and in their writings of um, bringing unity within the body of Christ. And they have an Israel mandate, they have an Islam mandate, and we also have a man mandate of reconciling men and women in ministry. Mm. And we are the first Messianic lighthouse uh, that Aglow has. So, yeah. Yay, Colorado. Yay, Colorado. It's a, it seems like a shocking location for that to be true, but <laughs> but it's wonderful. It's needed, right? It's purposeful, yeah. and I'm, gl I'm glad is. you're here. Well, yes. I, you know, remember that at a Bible study, I don't even know how long ago. I feel like time has been warped for me lately. So, I don't know. What was it? Six months ago? Maybe I think it was longer um, than that, Rachel. Maybe even longer than that. Yeah. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> I, I think I overcompensate because time already feels like it's being kind of stretched out, but then compressed in these odd ways. <laughs> I'm trying to overcompensate for how much has happened since then. Um, but we had some discussions just around dreams around um, the church body, the church community, unity, which is something you just talked about that you're you're really passionate about unity in the church. I am as well. I think there's only one way to bring unity and that is um, through Holy Spirit understanding of what God's actually been speaking, right? His word. And um, what does his word actually say? And if we can look at the letter God wrote to us through the framework of the Holy Spirit, we can find that love for each other. And even if we have divisions, I think sometimes it's actually more interesting when you're talking to somebody that challenges your framework, because instead of being in that either or on everything, right, that kind of Western view, I feel like 
there's so much complexity, right? And God's not, he doesn't always do that. It's not always an either or choice. So there's a lot of both and in scripture. And so we don't have to be fighting with each other. We can have these great discussions, maybe have different views, but that then pushes you to a deeper understanding or something even more that God wants to reveal. We had one of those great conversations um, at a Bible study a while back. And I just thought in my mind, I've got to have you on. I've got to interview you because what you were telling me is something I don't think most believers have ever even heard or, or would even recognize as something that anyone has taught them. And so let's start with, um, we had a, a very brief discussion on dreams and um dream interpretation. And I remember even at that Bible study that night, I think we had talked, we were talking about nightmares and all sorts of what's the spiritual implication to our dreams. And you had a really good take. Um, and it's not, again, something believers don't really talk about very much. They don't talk about dream interpretation, but the Bible is filled with visions and dreams and, you know, all of these things. So what is your understanding of dreams? How does God use them? Um, what and and we'll get into what about for the believer and nightmares and oppression and and all of this. Like, what have you learned? What can you speak into that? Are you sure you're going to have enough time for that? Today? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I think before I talk about the dreams, we need to think about what the prophet said. What was going to happen? about dreams and visions and the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh, where the prophet says, you know, your sons and your daughters, your old men and your servants. And, and then Peter reiterates it on the day of Pentecost, when Holy Spirit was poured out upon the, you know, the, as some call the awakening of the church that, oh, wait a second, there's this there's this uh, Ruach HaKodesh, this Holy Spirit that Jesus prophesied about that is now upon us. And what is he doing to us? And he's giving, you know, we see the book of Acts just come alive with the work of the Holy Spirit, which then starts including visions and, you know, Peter having visions and dreams and, you know, all this interesting awakening that, wait, you know, what's going on? And so fast forward for my own understanding of dreams started when I was a child, I dreamt a lot and I would have foretelling dreams and I would have these really interesting dreams, but I didn't have just good discipleship in my life at that time to understand what was happening. Why was, you know, I didn't even know that it was Abba's voice speaking to me at that time. And that's what dreams are. Dreams are parables. They are parabolic language. You look at what happened to Joseph? You know, he has this incredible dream. He runs and tells his dad, his family gets jealous. And, you know, over time, that, you know, we see what happens to Joseph, but then he becomes this amazing dream interpreter. But it was a process for him that he had to go through to develop that gifting. And I think it's in Psalms 105 where uh, David writes that Joseph had to go through those things to perfect the word of the Lord inside of him. So the dream was the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then we see Job later tells us about dreams are given to us to save us from an early death. And then they're also God's voice speaking to us. So I think as believers, we've kind of negated dreams. We think, oh, it's the pepperoni I ate, or it's the spicy Mexican food that I ate. And, you know, yeah. and then science tries to, you know, bring the natural into it of, oh, it's just your body processing whatever is going on throughout the day. Um, but I 
we experienced a dream in our family where God saved us. And we were in a flash flood in Arkansas. And I was awakened in the middle of the night showing that the Lord was showing me that our we were camping and so our travel trailer was going to be destroyed. And I awoke the family um, through a series of events. We ended up wading through the floodwaters as the water rose. It eventually took away the trailer and our vehicle and our lives were spared. Many's lives were not spared that night. And I had to wrestle that with the Lord. Like, wait a second, you used to give me foretelling dreams when I was a kid. I kind of discredited that. <clears throat> Fast forward many years and here you are again, doing it again. Mm. <clears throat> I then went to Africa about five years ago, and I saw that the churches over there tune into their dreams very much so. They were receiving direction, insight, and um, just prophecies through their dreams. Mm -hmm. So I came back home and just repented of discrediting the voice of the Lord. And I said, Lord, just show me, walk me through this, teach me how. Um, But like anything within discipleship within the body of Christ, we cannot do it alone. And I just, I was asking the Lord for a community. Show me a community that walks this. And sure enough, the Lord has provided people within Denver who absolutely do seek the voice of the Lord through dreams. Mm -hmm. And so it's become this fascinating walk. And now we teach it. Now we teach our children. And we have classes that we call fire camp. So we teach them all about dreams and visions and Holy Spirit. And the kids are awakening to it. And it's just a really neat um, piece of the Holy Spirit puzzle that he seems to be bringing his body into a fullness. Um, Mm. Thankfully, there's a group out of Australia that has written a beautiful book called The Divinity Code. It's a purple book, um, excellent dream interpretation book, very biblical. And that group of individuals has traveled to Denver several times and they teach. And now we have local folks who also facilitate that. Um, So that's kind of my journey on um, studying dream interpretation. But we do, we see it all throughout scripture. Daniel, I mean, he was risen second in command, just like Joseph, based off of dream interpretation. And, you know, we like, why do we discredit that within the body of Messiah? Why do we, and I think it ties in, Rachel, to some of the conversations we have is how the body has discredited so much of scripture. And we have separated based off of doctrine and theologies. Um, Yeah. So, so my my mind, because, you know, I grew up going to church, we were Baptist, and then I was in a charismatic school. And then, I mean, I got to see it all. So, for many believers out there listening to this, they they probably have all the red flags that go up with this, you know, everything that they knew taught and um, they're waving them right now. So I'm going to wave them at you and hopefully get their <laughs> questions answered. Um, as long as they're know. not flags, we're okay. <laughs> no, flags no, Pause. but you know, people, people, you know, go, wait a second, you know, that's not what I was taught. And so I'm going to, I'm going to throw some stuff at you. Here's what I've kind of learned over the last decade of studying scripture differently. You know, God really took me through a time of challenge in my own life. I was crushed by the weight of my own sin, my own depravity um, in a way that humbled me. And God sort of changed my view of who he is, what scripture actually says, changed me. And then I re, it was like I was a baby. It really did feel that way. I had to, I knew the scripture. So what was nice is the seed was planted but it hadn't become fruitful, right? So all of a sudden, all those words, those scriptures that I had learned growing up um, were applied differently. And suddenly, you know, mm-hmm. 
it's like I had, there was new soil or something happened there. I, I still haven't landed the right analogy, but something happened and God could bring all that to life in me actually and change my life with it. So one thing that I've learned in the last decade is that sometimes we misapply scriptures or we misapply principles because we're not actually being specific enough. And here's one, one example, maybe, or one thought for you. I feel like the prophets that we see in the Bible are prophesying over God's total timeline, his giant big plan for the nations, his, you know, his timeline, a lot of the time what we see, and this is why we have these end times prophecy debates with Daniel or Revelation or whatever, is they're talking about God's big plan, right? And so those things have been revealed in the word. They've been revealed by the prophets um, and they continue to be revealed as we get more information, right? So we're, we're in this fascinating time of all of that downloading happening, I feel like, and we're getting more information. Some of the dreams and stuff, like your experience in Africa, seeing them, it's they're specific. They're receiving specific directions for their church body, for their congregants, right? For something that God is doing in their local area, their region. Do you find that how God is using um, maybe dreams or visions or some of this stuff that it's it's not necessarily that you're they're going back over and trying to redo what the prophets in the Bible did with God's overall plan? but that a lot of it is just receiving Holy Spirit information to help your family, your local congregation. It's it's more regional. It's more specific. Do you see, is it delineated like that or do you see it differently? Well, I mean, Holy Spirit so complicated, right? So yeah. it can be, when dreams are given, it can be for personal. Typically about 90% of our dreams are for personal direction. You know, God is speaking to you as an individual for correction, for instruction. He says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And he gives us this, this kind of a list of like, this is what it does. And it cuts and it divides and it brings instruction and its direction and its theology. And I mean, it's all of it. And I think we get so focused on aligning with each other doctrinally, right? Like we want to connect, yeah. like, do you believe what I believe? And then we create these little gangs over here and then we start separating from one another. But Holy Spirit, when you read the book of Acts, every time Holy Spirit seems to be poured out upon those regions, there was a, an aspect of unity that would happen. They would mm -hmm. sell everything to be with one another. Like that's right. powerful. Yeah. And something sparks inside of us that goes, oh, I want that. Like, yeah. why can't we see acts two now? Right? Like we desire that and we long for that and we want to see miracles and deliverances and devils running and healings happening and dead raising. Like we, our heart just pounds at that, or I know mine does that, that fire yeah. in my belly just is like, I want to see that. I want to put my hands on somebody and raise them up from death. I mean, we, <clears throat> and I think because we have discredited that Holy Spirit can show up in our midst and speak to us and give us direction in that moment for our homes, for our congregations, for our fellowship meetings, you know, whatever it is, but we don't make space for him to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So if he's, and he's a gentleman, right? He's not going to just blow open the door and go, Hey guys, bow now. No, he wants to be invited in. Like Yeshua says in revelation, lo, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear me, I'll open that door and I'll come in and I'll have dinner with you. Like yeah. he wants that relationship with us, but he's looking, I think for that invitation. Like he's just so yeah. gentle. Like I want everything about you, but I want you to come to a place to receive it. So I have seen dreams used in a congregation 
um, we had a small congregation up here at once and God gave direction for a young woman through, like, I think my husband had a dream. One of the children had a dream. Somebody had a word. And when it all came together in that meeting, she received absolute instruction from the Lord of what to do. Mm. Right? And that's the voice of the Lord. He doesn't just come and go, you know, I need you to obey. Like, I just need you to obey. I need everybody to bow down and obey. No, he, it's the Shema here. Right. Oh, Israel, right. The, the here with the intent and of a yes in your heart to do what I am saying in this moment. Mm. And I think we've kind of, we've, categorize God into these rules and moral and you know we, he just wants us to obey no he wants us to respond and yeah. bring heaven on earth like he wants us to to partner with him yeah. in this time so I think dreams are just I've had dreams that are for me I've had warning dreams for my children like God giving showing me the pieces of their heart that is not in alignment with him and how I can pray and he's given me dreams on how to rescue my kids when they're in trouble people like and that's mm. interesting when you start listening getting into the you know talking about the prophetic it can scare people like thinking oh my gosh god is you know like and i get it people have abused the prophetic god's correcting the prophetic right now i understand it um i know that it can be scary but you know what marriage is scary too <laughs> yeah <laughs> having a baby is scary too you know right. um making a, a new dish can be scary as well but that doesn't discredit that it's not God's heart for his people. And the prophecy, according to Paul, was given for comfort, mm -hmm. exhortation, and edification to the body. Yeah. And I think we focused on the exhortation and we've exhorted everybody out of the church and we've exhorted the prophecies out <laughs> of the church. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, for, la for lack of a better word that I can up come up with right now, we've taken all the romance out of our relationship with God. It has become so perfunctory and so just um, functional in a way that almost pushes out the relational aspect that you're talking about, that yeah. it's just a, you do this or you don't do this, right? But there's no, there's no like wooing or, you know, there's nothing in that. Like, it's just, it's very... Um, well, and we tend to do that. We want things to be so black and white. We don't like to live in the vague. Well, that's not exactly true. I think we actually do enjoy the vague, but I think there's something about our society that tends to push kind of anything that feels feminine out, right? There, the, anything that feels like too chaotic has to go. What I liked, uh, so there's a couple things about what you said. Um, one is that it sounds like you guys have this structure of bringing dreams, ha having accountability, bringing things to someone, having someone that you can bounce it off of. You're not just immediately going, well, I know exactly everything now that needs to take place. You're testing it in some way, shape or form. What does that look like to test the spirit or to test a, a dream or to um, have that accountability? How does that operate? Yeah, great question. Um, we just recently did a class on that with children. How do you, you know, we wanted to raise our kids up into this and we've done this with adults as well. So let's say you wake up with a dream, <clears throat> maybe somebody that you love or somebody, you know, is in the dream and you perceive it as negative. You think, oh my gosh, like this person is going to die or this person is in sin or something like there's just this, you know, um, so you take the dream. Well, first you go before the Lord, Lord, you know, thank you for giving me this dream. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to me about this dream. I'm a little confused. I don't understand. What are you trying to tell me about this dream? 
And, you know, then digging in the word of God, does it, what is lining up in that dream that's, you know, it's parabolic. So it's a parable. So it's trying to tell you something he's speaking, but he's, he tells his disciples when he was on this earth, when Yeshua was on this earth, he says, I give them parables, but it's for you to know the secrets of the kingdom. But he's invite parables were an invitation to the disciples to come and seek him, like come to me mm-hmm. and seek me and I will give you the keys of the kingdom, right? I'll expound these things to you. And it, when we see that, where he would talk deeper with his disciples about a parable that he threw out to the people, <clears throat> Proverbs tells us it's the, it's the glory of the king to seek out a matter, right? And we're kings and priests. So he's inviting us in to seek it out. So we seek it with him first. Then <clears throat> I'll take it out to the community. Some of my women that I know who have gone through some training or who have a, a personal relationship with Holy Spirit um, that are going to seek. Because if he gives us, God, it says in Revelation, Yeshua is yes and amen. Everything about him is yes and amen. He wants our good and there's something good in that. So let's dig it out. So I present it. I tell the dream. So we just tell the dream. We don't give any personal, you know, like, oh, I think it's this or I think that we just tell the dream and we drop it there. We listen. We say, okay, what do you think God is saying? We pray and we ask and we invite him into that moment of conversation. And then we just start digging into the word of God. What is, what is maybe Holy Spirit dropping into our spirit at that moment? Let's say it's somebody, the dream seemed to have painted somebody in a negative light. We go before the Lord and we say, what are you saying about this person? Are you revealing something about them? Or is it my misunderstanding? He still wants their good too. So we just dig into that. And then we, sometimes the interpretation does not come right away because he's asking us to seek him, right? It's Mm -hmm. seek and knock, seek and knock. Sometimes it comes right away where he's like, hey, this is the direction that I'm asking you to go. Um, this is what I'm, a lot of times it's an invitation to intercede for that person or mm-hmm. for that circumstance, or just, you know, go before him and just thank you for this. We agree with heaven. It's, it's a, it's a word from heaven dropped into mm-hmm. our spirit. We agree with heaven and we just start seeking him on it. Um, so with the children, as they were sharing their dreams, then we opened it up to the greater um, community of those, you know, so we had we, the children shared it and then we listened to what others said and we asked questions like how did you feel in that dream what was the color of this what was that like we really are digging we're trying to get all of the details out of it and i kid you not the majority of the time just simply discussing it with other disciples all of a sudden it starts dropping in your spirit because you're verbally mm-hmm. processing it out yes. right you're taking the words of the holy spirit you bring it and now you're speaking it and all of a sudden he starts manifesting in that, in that gathering of, and that individual goes, oh, he was talking to me and it wasn't negative. It was good. It was actually good. And it yeah. just changes. so having community about that is just so important. Um, because when we're on our own and we're isolated, we can start thinking negative. We can start <clears throat> dream interpreting, dream interpreting, you know, kind of in that negative light that God is trying to bring correction to the body. I must be the one who has to bring it. Um, and he just changes that when you're in community. Totally. I, I love that. So I think it's interesting, um, you know, for those of you who are listening and you're still like, I don't, I'm not sure about this. You know, I'm recalling all of these moments where um, I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to do something or told me to speak to someone, really put someone on my heart or put something on my heart to go do. And then I go do it and you find out, you know, that's why. That really, to me, there's not a lot of difference between the Holy Spirit working through your dreams and speaking that way, or maybe telling you in your quiet time here, I have some, I have somebody that I need you to pray for. I, I want you to reach out to this person with this Bible, whatever it is. 
-hmm. It's just working, right? Those spirit is just working and using the people, right, to do the work. Like we're supposed to be building a body and we're supposed to have the DNA of Yeshua as we do this. So we should be in connection with God, being obedient in our daily walk. I mean, I always think that, um, you know, the laws that God gave us in the Bible, like that's the milk, right? That's, you do those, like that's, that's the milk, right? That's how you begin. You begin by just being obedient to what God has put in his word, right? And then you move on to understanding why, right? And the deep teachings behind that obedience. And then you move into this relationship with God where he's like, yeah, and I'm also going to direct you in your day. I'm going to give you these wonderful acts of goodness to do or th ways to do um, that are going to help build the kingdom and be an encouragement to other believers or, or other non-believers. We all believe that God is doing that. I mean, except for, I guess there are probably a few theologies, which I did want to mention to you and see if you have any thoughts for them. There might be a few that don't, but I think most believers would say, yeah, I felt like God told me to do this, right? They'll say that, or I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was, was really speaking to me. Well, okay, why can't the Lord use dreams, right? Why wouldn't he use mm -hmm. some of these other means to speak? And of course, I think he does. And he does use dreams to help us work things out and to help us understand things at a deeper level. I've had some really interesting dreams in my life, and I knew they were messages from the Lord. I didn't have a community to go to, but my spirit was just like, you remember that dream for a reason, you need to sit down with this with the Lord and kind of think about the implications of that. So um, I, I just would liken it to how, how all the other ways the spirit is working, right? We look at all these ways he's using all of these means. What do you say to kind of the cessationist view or maybe some of the, um, you know, in some of the reform theology view that, you know, people don't have a choice in the matter. God kind of just comes in and does whatever he wants with you or that the spirit, the Holy spirit isn't working that way anymore. What are, what are kind of, I mean, I don't necessarily see any biblical evidence for those things, but I know that there's a lot of discussion around that. So how do you kind of handle that? <laughs> well, it usually doesn't go over very well. <laughs> Well, are you sure you want to open that can of worms? No, but I know. Here's the thing: I, you, you have Bible, you have Bible verses. I know because this is your passion. So I feel like whatever our passion is, we've got all those Bible verses already locked up. You know, like I know those ones really well. So I'm pretty sure you probably have yeah. some word. The word of the Lord is going to speak into that, right? And and what you've experienced. So yeah, what do you say? And it's a you know, listen, we. I deal with people in all sorts of denominations. I work at a lot of different churches, mm -hmm. work with a lot of different believers. And sometimes I, I, I say what I think. Sometimes I don't, right? I try to let the Lord lead me in those conversations. But this is your opportunity to say whatever <laughs> you think. So, <laughs> Well, since my heart is unity, and that is what we strive for yeah. in our region, uh, it is something it's a, it is a balancing act because I do have brothers and sisters of that belief that, you know, Holy spirit doesn't do those things anymore. And I actually walked through a really tough season with several of them this last summer where I was removed from that community because they no longer wanted to accept the, that 
a, you know, it was it felt like a gang, man. It was like, let's gang up and say, we don't want this anymore because God was mm. manifesting his Holy spirit in our midst. And I think it can get scary, you know, like, mm. oh my gosh, he might reveal some things or he might say something because you don't know. Right. So if we can put him in a box and that feels safe, you know, religion feels safe. Theology feels safe. Holy mm. spirit. You know, it's kind of like that, that term with Aslan. Do you remember that yeah. in CS Lewis's writing is, is the king safe? <laughs> right. the lion no, safe? it's not safe, no, really. He's no. <laughs> not safe. But you know what? He's good. Yeah. And he wants our good. And sometimes yeah. that sword will cut, right? Yeah. The voice of the Lord is like thunder and lightning, and it will scare you and it will cut. But it's for our good because he's saw he might be cutting off something that he's like, that's not for you anymore. Right. So for those that, you know, have that opposing view of Holy Spirit does not speak in that way anymore you know, I've kind of, I'm like you, like there's a lot of situations where I don't get to speak out boldly because I know it's not going to be received. And I guard my pearls very closely. Like my, you know, this is for those that really, you know, I wouldn't let, I wouldn't take my pearls off for anyone, right? Like if there's going to be a, there's a relationship there. And I think it takes relationship with our brothers and sisters for them to see that, Hey, I have a passion for Holy spirit. And I invite you in on that. So I was invited this last summer to speak about that, like a, a home gathering that we, it was really neat. If you know who Derek Prince was, he used to come to Colorado and respite. He's a big old timer, 1970s, okay. 60s and 70s, spoke about Holy Spirit all the time, deliverances. And he was from England and he served in the, in, in Israel and fought in the war. And I mean, just amazing man of God. And he used to come to Colorado and respite. And one of the households that would host him is still alive. And so this old 95-year-old man and I sat down and spoke to a community up here of Holy Spirit is still for us today. He spoke on that, all of the gifts of Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit himself is still available. And then I spoke on baptism of fire. And in the room, we had all these people just hungry for Holy Spirit. And they all come from the foundationist background, but they knew they were missing a piece. Mm. They knew they had not been taught that Holy Spirit is still relevant. He's still active. He's still working. He's still, he's still a person of the Godhead. I mean, he is still there and he's with us and present with us. If we believe that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a supernatural act. Like how can Jesus right. be with me and be with you and be with everybody all at once? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So he's working and he's stirring and he's, so we taught on that. And one of the women, um, she just jumped up and she says, I want everything that you guys had to say. I want it all like right now. She's but I need healing in my body. I have to have a surgery for X, Y, Z. And I just, I need this gone. And so we laid hands on her. We spoke over her. We commanded it to leave. I commanded a couple spirits to leave. And the next day she woke up and it was gone. <laughs> and let me tell wow. you, that will rock a community. You know, yeah. and that was the second healing that had happened within a, you know, a, a time span, a you know, short time span. And it, ro it started rocking people. But if we look at Acts and we look at Jesus and we look at the disciples, we look at Stephen, when Holy Spirit starts to move, it agitates certain, you know, um, strongholds in people's lives that mm -hmm. causes them to fear. I think it's a big deal of fear in people's lives of you know, I don't know about that. Like that's scary to me. And so it, I think we start then separating from one another and creating yeah. those divisions. So I always encourage people to not separate from it, but to like wrestle through it. Let's, right. you know, bring what you have to share, bring, I'll bring what I have to share, but I'm going to tell you my experiences. God still heals. Like, how can you explain the miraculous when it starts happening? 
and yeah. but yet you know it's it's okay to have these different differing views if we don't separate from one another you know it- we, it is. It, as long as it doesn't become divisive or um, speak negatively about the testimony of the joy of our salvation, right? And what God has do, what God has done and will do. I see it though prophetically, like you said. I see that the Bible speaks that um, there there are signs, right? And the holy the baptism mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, that baptism of fire, right? You want that. That's part of the process. Right. I mean, you, you need that in your life. You need God to write his word with his fiery hand on your heart. That's part of the process of the new covenant. And so it, you know, to, to take that out or to say, well, the Holy Spirit can only do this, this way now. It is strange to me. So I, so I, I'm going to just tell my listeners, I haven't landed the plane on all of this, but what I have seen in the Bible is that false prophets, false messiahs will come along. They will do mighty things, right? We will see that in the end. We will see signs and wonders and they will be false. How would we not also think that the Lord God Almighty is doing wondrous and mighty things in his people? Does, you know, the, do the demons only, are the fallen angels, the only ones that get to, you know, have signs and wonders. I mean, doesn't that belong to our God? And so it's um, it's very hard when I look at the Bible for me. I can't, into, at least I can't intellectually come to the conclusion that any sort of cessation of the works of the spirit has happened. Um, and especially for people who've traveled to different countries. You know, my husband uh, was in Africa for a while. The stories that he has of the nuns that worked in the orphanage there and what they saw, mm-hmm. what they did, I mean, he came back and he was like, no, you can't really, (laughs) you know, I saw too much, like with my Mm -hmm. own eyes, Mm -hmm. there are spiritual entities at work. There's God also at work, the spirit of God at work and battling those spiritual entities in miraculous ways. And what are you going to say, right? When people have witnessed it, seen it, experienced it with their own eyes. I think the big problem is that we have had a lot of false prophets, and that has damaged, greatly, greatly damaged people's belief in the work of this. We had so many false prophets during the last election. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. The last election season in the United States did so much damage to the church, I think, um, because there were people, so many people who had so many followers, right? Speaking, mm-hmm. they, yeah. you know, call themselves prophets, speaking prophetically, right. having dreams, right. saying the visions, and then wrong. They were wrong and they were wrong and they were wrong and they were wrong. And so the damage that does, right. Um, but God is faithful and cleanup of the prophets. You know, we see that all through scripture when, you know, there were prophets that rose up and did not speak of the word of the Lord. He, he was very faithful to bring correction to that. Mm -hmm. And I think because we have some of this, you know, the dispensationalism teachings, the cessational teachings that God works in these chunks and then he moves on. And therefore we need to, you know, and then when you start getting dreams and you start interpreting from those theology positions, you could miss it, you know, you, cause you're speaking from your <clears throat> theological lenses and not necessarily understanding what Holy Spirit's doing in that moment. You know, I've, lo- I've gone back and looked over some of their dreams to try to understand like, where did they miss it? Because these are some, you know, pretty big name people who are surrounded by elders who are surrounded by people. So what was going on? And I've just, you know, we come from a Roman background, you know, we, we, our American inheritance is not, was not something just new. 
It was everything you look around from your local Capitol buildings to the DC area is all Roman. And our thought process is very linear, right? Mm -hmm. So God works in this timeframe and then he moves on to this timeframe, moves on. And then, but from the Hebraic perspective, which is where I study scripture, it's secular. Like he repeats cycles. He repeats things, but because we've inherited Rome, we have a very political mindset. You know, we're very politically minded that God is going to use our government to bring about his kingdom, but his kingdom is not of this world. He, this king, this kingdom is going to bow to his kingdom. Amen. I I just have to say amen to that. I've been really dealing, I've been having a hard time with certain movements happening right now. (laughs) And And they're not related. They are not, our kingdom of this America is not related to the kingdom of God. And so when we start interpreting from our kingdom perspective, you know, worldly kingdom perspective to try to interpret what he's saying, we can miss it, you know, because we're imposing our theology, our ideology, and our political perspective of it into the dreams. I mean, I've had to die to my flesh to several dreams because I was like, oh, when, you know, when I was first beginning, I would see the dream. I would perceive it and through my unredeemed areas that that person must be in sin, you know, and therefore I would separate from them because of that dream. But God had to bring correction to that. He's like, I didn't give you that to separate from your brothers and sisters. I gave mm-hmm. you that to have my heart towards them and how to love them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that's. We've got to get a different perspective. Such a good word. I think the enmeshing of the political with the spiritual um, is very common, right? It's always been done. People Mm -hmm. have always done this. But when you look at the people of God and the political situations they were in versus what God was doing in them building his kingdom, those two things don't seem to overlap very often. You know, you don't have God Yeshua telling them to go then take over the Roman kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. After he leaves. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, go, you know, politicize this to the ends of the earth, right? So we have, yes. to, we have to stop thinking that God's going to bring about his kingdom through our political leadership or our political framework. Our political mm-hmm. framework is not his. It doesn't match his. It's not what he called Mm -hmm. for in scripture at all. Mm -hmm. And when he returns, he's not going to do it that way. And so we, yeah, we really have to stop. We have to start separating. And we, we struggle with this in America. I think this is a real word for America um, to stop looking to men and mankind's systems to be the route Mm -hmm. for God's kingdom to um, grow. That's not really how he's working, or at least I don't see it in scripture. I don't see that prophesied in scripture. I can't find it in the word. And um, every time people have attempted it, it has been a wildly horrible experiment, actually. It's gone very awry. Mm-hmm. So we should be really careful about it, actually. Yeah, right? I know. Especially if you contain that there's many people who have the view of, of revelation, you know, like where there's certain aspects of the, of the, you know, that's a dream. You know, it's a vision. John right. is given a vision, which is dream parabolic language through all of that whole writing of revelation. And, you know, our eschatology seems to be built off of, Oh, we've got it. Inter-, and I'm like, you guys are interpreting it through a Western mindset. Yeah. Like he was not Western. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and he had like- so much, inf- he had so much cultural understanding and so much, um, historical understanding and education also that we tend to uh, not ha- not have the discipline to go do that work to understand what he was saying. Um, because a lot of what he's, yeah. Oh, don't you love the people that are like, um, well, he was just probably on drugs. 
I've not heard that one. <laughs> oh, oh, I get those people all the time. I don't know why. They're, they really want to come have conversations with me about mushrooms. And I'm always like, no, guys. <laughs> I think that's my location more. Okay. We have to, I have to get to a couple of other, of the other questions I had for you um, because we're going to be out of time here pretty soon, but I want, I wanted to talk to you about women in ministry. It sounds like that's something that um, the group aglow um, bringing women and men together in ministry. What does that really look like? How does the Bible actually speak to this? We've had, just centuries of debate over women, women's position in ministry. What is your view? <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand with the Holy Spirit debate. You know, like we yeah. remove Holy Spirit from our, our gatherings, that feministic aspect of God, you know, the Ruach HaKodesh is the yeah. feminine, you know, bird, mother hen-like aspect of, of who the nature of God is, that mothering nature. And we've removed that. So then why not remove the, then the feminine expression within the church? You know, like, mm -hmm. well, let's, let's separate that. And yeah, it's, it's, and I, I think it kind of goes back to what you said in the beginning, when you started rediscovering scripture, going back to the beginning of the book and looking at God's eternal plan and seeing that his eternal plan started with a marriage in the garden is going to end with a marriage in a garden, man and woman. Like there's something there that he is heart is towards women and men together. Yeah. And we know from Yeshua's description, when he was walking on this earth, he's like, man and woman are not going to be given an earthly marriage up in heaven. That's not the that's not the reason for, you know, heaven, you know, him this establishing all of this many rooms. My, my father's house has many rooms. I'm going to prepare this place for the bride of Christ, which is the, the feministic aspect of him. So eliminating women from ministry has just cut off 50% of the bride of Christ. Like she's only what able to just be a homemaker. Like that's right. it. Like that's, that's all that she can do is teach the children and, and make bread. Like, you know, <laughs> everything since COVID seems to be returning back to the basics, you know, like barefoot and pregnant and making bread. That's all you can do. You yeah. Know? And children's ministry. That's all you can do is teach the children. You well, know? <laughs> I mean, the most, the most precious minds of all somehow are going to get taught by the, um, the perceived least, you know, uh, well-educated spiritual folks in the car. I've never understood that. I'm like, you're going to give the children yes. to these people then I don't get mm -hmm. it. Like, where are you yeah. getting this? But yeah. yes, that's exactly kind of what's happening. And mm -hmm. it's all based in my opinion on misinterpretations of Paul. So yes. how, how do you, yeah, we took the, we call them Pauline, you know, the Pauline doctrine, right? We took the yeah. one-liners and we created whole camps and whole gangs just off of, you know, the, the scriptures, those one-liners and not even knowing what was going on in those ecclesias, those, those house churches and what was happening. You know, we've got to get a perspective of studying those, those cities and those cultures to know what was he really dealing with. But I have to say, you know, my husband was a huge help in that process for me because mm -hmm. I was raised with that theology of women are not to, to preach, women are not to get behind the pulpit, you know, they can only be in the back with the children. Um, and I was confronted with somebody who was like, you know, you're in rebellion because you want to pursue ministry. There must be something inside of you trying to outdo men or something. And I was like, that is not my heart at all. I, I love my husband. I love my children, but I love the body of Messiah. And I have some things in here that God has placed inside of me that I think would help everyone. And my husband and I sat down and we looked at every woman in the Bible. Like he's like, let's just do it. Let's just take every woman in the Bible, specifically focusing on Deborah. 
Like, look at Deborah, look at Esther, look at these women of God who he put into place. And of course, we got the backlash of, well, it's because no man would rise up. I'm like, do you think we're in the same time frame? <laughs> you know, like, what, that, like, all of a sudden we're better than Israel or we're different yeah. than Israel? Like, yeah. You know? I, okay. Okay. <laughs> so there was a lot of internal wrestling yeah. with myself, but God settled it when I went to Africa. And then all of these documentaries started coming out of what Holy Spirit is doing in this time frame in other countries. Mm. And then look at Psalm 68, 11 and 12. In the Hebrew, it says God is going to raise up a mighty army of women and they will overcome the enemy and they will divide the enemy's spoils among their tents. And I'm like, where are we missing this fact that there's a mighty army of women rising up? And we see, uh, you know, like Lana Vosser and some others coming up with these prophetic words in this time frame that God is, he's strengthening the mothers because we're mm. tired of our children being slaves in this world. And we're ready, you know, yes, the feminine, feministic movement was evil. It was absolutely yeah. evil and it demasculated our men. So yeah. guess what? I can turn around. I can take that and now I can empower my man and my children to rise up and say, no, you're, you're doing what God has created you to do. I'm doing what God has created me to do. So yes, in a glow, yeah. we do have this reconciliation of men and women standing next to one another because together we make the whole body, you That's know, right. and, we're, and we're working together on that. And it's a beautiful thing to see when a man and woman can stand next to each other and there's no competition. No. And it, and you know what has to be done? The Holy Spirit has to be present in that for that unity to happen. So if we discredit pres, if we discredit Holy Spirit and we discredit the women, yeah, we have absolute division in our midst. Well, and that is the picture in the garden. You have these two people that are different but complementive. Also, some opposition, right? You need that different view. That different view is healthy. That different kind of perspective is healthy. Mm -hmm. We need each other. And that, so instead of seeing it, you know, kind of you said that the feminist movement was disrespected the position mm -hmm. of men. But instead of us looking at each other and going, you are something that I need. I am something that you need. We do this as a body, right? We do this mm -hmm. together because that's healthy. That's what health is. It's such a beautiful picture. And you see this marriages, you know, when you just break it down to the marriage aspect, when you see those marriages that are great partnerships, those are powerful entities mm -hmm. and those are powerful families, you know, and, and it's so much better for their children. It's so much better, right? You get this beautiful example. I think it's been really sad that the church has um, too often participated in in kind of the cultural swinging back and forth, right? The cultural mm -hmm. swaying of um, instead of being instead of being rooted, we're reactive. So we're swaying as much with the culture as the culture is swaying. We don't even know it. We're just right. constantly reacting to what the culture is doing. And we're having these overreactions that are causing damage and harm. And especially in this area, and I think so many people have been harmed by how the church has viewed women, but the bride has also been harmed. Because if you do not appreciate what God created Eve for in the garden, the view of women, you cannot understand the position of the bride, right? right. You cannot yeah. understand what God is doing with her. She's going to sit on the throne with him someday. She's going to sit on the throne next to Yeshua. That's kind of a crazy picture when you think about yeah. it, right? But she's yeah. going to be trustworthy. She's yeah. going to have a job. You know, she's well, and according not to Paul, 
I'm already seated next to Christ in heavenly right. places. Right. right. So you know you're gonna dethrone me. <laughs> well, yeah, because apparently, according to Paul, you know, you are you don't you I've never understood this. They 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 bring up the verse like because Eve was deceived or something, and they apply this as if women do not have the same Holy Spirit that men do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is what it really is, is it's a degrade, it's a men are men are the top, women are a little less human, right? Mm-hmm. A little less, we have a little less yeah. available to us. But you my my husband's the, sounds like your husband. My husband's like, never, you know, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> do it. This is crazy. Like, you know, and, and he is yes. this wonderful mom who's spoken to his life. He has so much uh love and respect for women and um and we have great Bible discussions and I so appreciate that about him. But what do you think? So what is the solution to that issue? Like in America, let's just talk about America where most people are really listening here. And because I do think there are other cultures where the female spiritual voice is a little more respected. We're not necessarily in one of those cultures with a lot of the church, right? Mm-hmm. What do we do? What, what, are we, what should women do? What should men do? Men, men who are kind of like, I, I have a problem with this too. Where, what should we do? <laughs> well, the world, according to Amber <laughs> and Rachel, we'll solve it today. Well, yeah. What's your advice? I mean, I know we can get our knees yeah. and pray. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. you could sit down and try to talk about it with your pastor, or you know, maybe if the if the view of women in your church is that way, and you have daughters, do you stay? I mean, there there are those questions. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with it? Yeah, I think for first for the woman herself, it needs to become truth in you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like anything that you discover within the word of God or that awakening, you know, whether you're coming into the studying the front of the book or you're coming into understanding Holy Spirit or your, uh, you know, dreams that first it needs to become truth in you. And then you live out of that truth, you know, settling inside of myself, finding that identity in Christ and him alone, right? Like that's my papa and I'm his daughter. What does he ask of me? Not what may, you know, and trying to learn to silence the voices of man and losing that fear. I think fear keeps us from having open dialogues with one another. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and religion has done a good job of keeping us separated and not having um, safe places to dialogue these things. You know, like I, I often t- challenge folks. I'm like, why do you fear my position in the kingdom so much so? Like, what is that drive? What is that fear? Why is that fearful to you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, it, and it's religion. Religion has placed fear of me and you, and they pitted, pitted us against each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's finding those first, first, me and Papa, right? Spending that time, letting that identity become, letting his truth of Yeshua, the Holy Spirit becoming inside of me, teaching my kids these things, teaching my girls these things. And then helping encourage the community around me. There are enough hurting people out there. There are enough women who have something to say inside of them and put groups of them together so that they can find their voice again. But mm-hmm. we're such a traumatized nation that mm-hmm. we seem to have our voices silenced, you know, whatever it is. It starts in the home as a kid, you know, through all of the abuse that kids go through, then the abuse in the churches that are happening. And women, I think, just have shrunk back. Now, I'm not saying megaphones. I'm not saying getting out there and, you know, my, you know, I'm not, I do not align with the feministic side of things. Not competitive. We're not out to undermine anyone's ministry. We're not trying to take over anybody's positions. None of that. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely not. But it's learning first and then finding that community, I think is important that would support that. 
but I'm not against, you know, I don't, I'm not one to like, if you are part of a church, that's actually a ministry. And most of the time we don't have a say so inside of that ministry. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes getting connected with ministries that you can align to is really important so that Mm -hmm. you can find a place to wrestle through your voice and wrestle through, um, you know, I do these trauma healing groups where I help women find their voices and it is so powerful for them to feel connected with one another. And there's no competition of this. Like now we got to go take our churches over. None of that. It's just finding their identity in Christ. And it naturally, because if I'm secure in this, he just, it, he provides the opportunities because it's not being done out of fear anymore and perfect love casts out fear. So if I'm walking in perfect love towards my brother and sister, they naturally kind of gravitate to wanting to have those conversations. Mm. Yeah. I really like that. I think one, one benefit to, um, and an encouragement maybe for women who feel discouraged in this area, one benefit I've found, uh, um, is that I am, I think I'm doubly careful about what I teach and how I phrase things and making sure, you know, I, I look at the culture, especially in music, you know, I'm a musician and the biggest pop stars in the world that tend to have, you know, all of these listens and likes and follows and everybody knows, you know, there's so many females in those positions and there's so many females who are singing about and preaching really bad stuff, right? The (laughs) negative, the wickedness, the evil, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But their voice is so powerful. It's like a loudspeaker out there. Mm -hmm. And then you, you can go to church and you can go to church your entire life and never hear from a righteous woman. Mm -hmm. And so what does it mean if God does give you a platform or something to say, you know, we want to be in alignment with his spirit. We want to be righteous. We want to be doubly careful. We want to be good teachers that, you know, when God holds you to account, you can say, I really did do my best. When God's raising up women that are thinking that way and that are trying to walk that way, boy, I really think there's something powerful, right? There's something so powerful about that. And just that different voice, you know, men have a message and a lot of young men, they need those strong men. They need to hear from a man on those things, right? Um, sometimes you get a woman who says something and she has a, she just says it a little different. Then you get this 360, this 4d view, right. Of, of an, of how something is working and the love of God and the spirit of God. But then, you know, the call of God and kind of the angst, you know, you get it all. Um, and I, I really do believe God wants to do that with all of his people, all of his people not, it's not just for men, women you have, God has a ministry for you, right? You are part of the body. You have someone needs you today. I mean, that's just the truth. And so I think it's kind of an encouragement to me, like be doubly careful, go sit with the spirit of God, be careful about what you teach, do your research, be that much more invested in speaking the truth. Um, because if God gives you that platform, that place to do it, uh, it's special in history. I mean, very few women in history have been able to do this, right? Absolutely. Very few. So the women of today and into the end times, we have a really special position and opportunity. Um, But I I like your view. I'm glad we're in alignment. (laughs) I wasn't sure what you were going to say, but... I have to, I have to give kudos to the word of God, you know, awakening to the whole scripture, right? Studying Torah and seeing God's heart behind what he's doing in the kingdom of God. I'm not separated from my brothers. 
you know, and God's given me a really neat community with the, some of the Denver pastors, where it's mostly male, but I've been invited because they're like, we need a little bit of a feminine touch, you know, because <laughs> they're realizing that, you know, we do bring a different perspective. Yeah. We do have a softness about us that, you know, when we're surrendered to Holy Spirit, either I believe that my brothers are filled with Holy Spirit and I'm filled with Holy Spirit and together we can do something great in the kingdom of God, or we don't. Right. Yep, exactly. Well, I, I've loved this conversation. Thank you so <laughs> much. Yes. I, uh, this time just flew by. I can't believe it's yes. been about an hour already, but um, thank you so much, Amber. And, you know, if people want to get connected to your ministry or just are looking for um, more ministries that are thinking along the lines of, of what you're involved in, what, how could they do that, especially here in Colorado? But then, um, is the, is that ministry national, international? Um, yeah. Do you have somewhere for people to go? Yeah. So, yeah. So Aglow International is international. Okay. So we're found, if you go to the aglow.org website, you can usually find lighthouses locally. We're located in Golden. Um, we have a Facebook page called, uh, I think it's Aglow Central, we have our messianic one. So we have our Colorado, golden Colorado messianic aglow Facebook okay. page that people can um, follow. We also are regional, you know, we cover Colorado with our glow lighthouses. They can go to um, a glow central region Facebook page and also find um, locations there. Local, as far as I'm getting hold of me, I'm very simple. So you're going to have to find me on Facebook, Amber Alcozer. <laughs> Someone follow me there. Yeah. Um, and then if you're, any of your listeners reach out and they want more, you know, you can give them my email address. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> but very simple woman. Um, I homeschool. I, you know, work in the local community with homeschooling and discipling women. So I like the, I like the simplicity, simplicity of the kingdom of God. My dining room table is where we meet. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Well, thank you so much. Um, and thank you to my listeners for listening. Uh, I'll be back. I'll be back next week. Yes. Goodbye.